0: Hello, and welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, life coach, and psychotherapist, and on today's episode, we are discussing HSPs and covert narcissism. There's a lot of talk in my field right now about the difference between narcissism and narcissistic personality disorder. I don't believe so much in a hard line of narcissism as the DSM describes some criteria. I believe the selfie culture technology is growing more and more narcissism. That's not just my belief. there's are scientific evidence to back that up every day coming out. But what we're talking about is narcissism on a spectrum, And everything is on a spectrum, just like our introversion or our extroversion. Some of us will be more extroverted. Some of us will be more introverted. And there's just, it takes all kinds, right? There's every variation on any continuum. So when we're talking about narcissism or narcissistic personality disorder, what are we trying to do? And I think as HSPs, we're trying to figure out what is this personality So that I cannot get sucked in, used and abused, and I can take care of myself. So you have to decide when I talk about narcissism, if this is just something that pops up in yourself or in someone else every now and then, or if there is a pattern that makes them stronger on that continuum, leaning more towards a personality disorder, because there's a strong pattern there. Typical narcissism is defined in DSM as a grandiose sense of self-importance. I think we all are very familiar with what this looks like. I'll go through it quickly. There's often a preoccupation with fantasies of success and power and beauty or love. There's a particular specialness and a uniqueness, and they don't want to associate with people that are beneath them. There's a high status... Peace to how they view the world and see themselves compared to the rest of the world. There seems to be a need for excessive admiration. This tell me I'm wonderful constantly. And there's a sense of entitlement. They're takers. They're interpersonally exploitive. They take advantage. They take credit. And they lack empathy. I think that's one of the most important things to note is that they have low to no empathy. They're often envious of others or they believe that others are envious of them. So envy is something that is just a part of how they're made up. There's usually a demonstration of arrogant attitudes or behaviors. Now, when we talk covert versus overt, I think in this day and age, we all know what overt looks like. And it's kind of obnoxious and it's off-putting and that makes it easy to spot. And when it's easy to spot, it's easier to dodge. Maybe not easy, but it's definitely easier to dodge something that you can spot. So I'm talking about covert narcissism today after getting asked to by a bunch of people. So let's jump in by looking at some signs that you're dealing with a covert narcissist, because it is hard and it is tricky. And part of this is how you can spot it externally. Maybe I can talk more in the next live stream if I don't get to it today. And someone asked me a question about this, about how to sense covert narcissism intuitively, because that is my greatest tool on top of these signs that we can see. So there's often a power differential. It's not reciprocal. There's something that's lopsided about the relationship, Instead of give and take, there tends to be take and take. And you tend to be the person that's taken from. And it doesn't get replenished. It's like taking out of a bank account constantly, but never ever depositing any money. It's gonna get wonky. And they don't actually want to get to know you, though a covert narcissist can show up extremely charming. They can be like butter melting in your mouth. They're not as off-putting as that overt narcissism that really kind of just hits me in the face when I come across it. Not with a hand, not with an actual hit, but energetically, gosh, it feels like it takes all the energy out of the room. They may ask you a lot of questions about yourself in the beginning and seem very, very interested. But that usually isn't about getting to know who you are. That's more about gathering information to use to manipulate you later. Intuitively my challenge to you hsps and empaths is that you can feel that when someone is genuinely asking you about yourself You can feel that they're interested. There's an energy there You feel connected and you're flowing energy to them and they're flowing energy to you And with covert narcissism that may be part of how they can charm in the beginning, but they can't sustain it When things go wrong with a covert narcissist There tends to be an absence of wanting to come together and work on it, and there tends to be a presence of trying to make you feel bad about stuff without really showing up willing to do anything to make it better. So covert narcissists really like sort of getting you backed into a corner where you feel badly, and then they want you to just kind of hang there. Whereas in a healthier relationship, there are moments where we might feel bad with each other, we offend each other, we hurt each other's feelings, we fight, we argue, we disagree, we misunderstand, we misspeak, we get irritable, but someone with empathy doesn't want someone that they care about sitting in a corner feeling shitty In fact, we're moved and motivated to hurry up and work on it as quickly as possible. Sometimes we want that much too quickly because we dislike knowing that someone's in pain. Covert narcissists do not praise. It's very, very rare that they praise. And if they do praise, they pay off like a slot machine. You put so much in quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter, and then maybe you get a little bitty payoff? Psychologically, that kind of paying off, I believe it's called intermittent motivation, but that may not be the right term. I didn't look it up beforehand. I'm not sure as I'm saying it out loud. But that's part of why gambling is so addictive, because it just—it pays you off just enough to keep you in the game. And that's, interestingly exactly how covert narcissism works. They don't really want other people to be happy or content or secure. They don't feel that internally. They actually feel better when you feel crappy because that ignites that narcissistic piece of being above someone else. Sometimes if you're very happy or things are going really well for you in your life, a covert narcissist may rage instead of celebrate with you. They might pout. They might even sabotage a moment. If it's a moment when you're getting an award or something really good is happening for you and it's not all about them, they may sneakily pout or sabotage it or knock something over or pick a fight just to ruin the night. They might say little jabs like, oh, is that really what you're going to wear tonight? It's like a slow picking apart at your sanity. One of the reasons I created my boundaries course originally was to help people deal with the covert narcissist in their life around birthdays, holidays, special occasions, events. These tend to be traps when in relationship with a covert narcissist. And how it plays out is because it's Christmas, Christmas is used like a carrot that dangles. Because we feel obligated to show up for holidays. That's part of how our culture works. So we're not allowed to make different choices. We're not allowed to not go. And often we want to because it's not enjoyable to be around a narcissist, overtly or covertly. Often covert narcissists when you don't do what they want. Hey, I'm going to do something different for Christmas this year. They will directly or indirectly go to a place of, you just don't care about me, you're too sensitive, if you really loved me, you'd show up, you owe me, I gave you life, or I'll cut you off if they give you money for college or life. Covert narcissists often give gifts that you don't want. I know a lot of you just giggled and laughed figuring something out there, because that's a biggie, that's a big give, If I give someone a gift, if I give you a gift and you don't like it, I'm going to be disappointed. But what I want most is you to like it. For a covert narcissist, they're going to be offended. Sometimes those gifts that you don't want are very showy. When I opened my yoga studio, a covert narcissist in my life showed up one day we were I was scrambling to try to to get it together and needed so much didn't have a lot of money to put into it it was really a passion project and that person showed up and said I want to give you a refrigerator I didn't need a refrigerator and when I politely said thank you so much that's so generous that's such a huge unexpected gift but we have a teeny little college refrigerator already. Someone else gifted it. And we really don't need that in in the space. It it won't work. But oh my gosh, like we could use so many other things. They pulled back and got cold and didn't want to offer anything and acted very wounded that I didn't want their generous gift. It's very confusing. Very confusing to not be able to say, oh, thank you so much, but, no, thank you, that, that won't work. And there's that piece of, it. It's, it's hard to put our fingers on it, but it's the difference between someone going, oh my gosh, I guess I, could, I should have asked first or, oh, well, what else do you need? Because it wasn't purchased yet. It hadn't arrived. It was just an idea. And for someone with more empathy, that's an easy flip-flop because what they want is they want to give help. What a covert narcissist wants is to be celebrated because they're giving a thing. That gift is not about you. That refrigerator was not about me. That refrigerator was about I want to be known as the person who gave the biggest thing. If you have a mother or a father, if you have a parent that is a covert narcissist, you probably didn't grow up feeling very protected. And you probably grew up trying to please a covert narcissist that is not pleasable. And that may be the root of much people-pleasing in your present-day life. Covert narcissists, if they're famous for something, it might be their silent rage. They will seethe. They may not be yellers. They may not flip out. But you can feel the anger and the rage that's part of what exhausts highly sensitive people particularly empaths in their presence often someone will tell me with a narcissist with a covert narcissist in their life nothing really happened we just sat there they wouldn't say anything to me but i left and i was so exhausted it was like we had had a big blowout fight you were managing your own energy of trying to stay centered and you were managing their confusing rageful energy it's very, very, very draining. If a healer in your life has suggested going no contact, and that's a very rare thing. If you've worked with a professional that you think really understood you and had your best interest in mind and was solid and grounded, and they suggested going no contact, that's probably to give your nervous system a sense to come down and heal. If we're raised with narcissists, particularly covert ones, I believe our nervous system never, ever, ever relaxes. It's part of what makes highly sensitive people with narcissistic parents prone to autoimmune issues. So healing and learning how to get the nervous system to calm is so important. And the earlier in your life you start doing that work, the better. Covert narcs can be condescending and patronizing. Gaslighting is huge. Now, gaslighting comes from a very old movie where a man was trying to make his wife crazy. And there was an old gaslight. And every time that woman would come in the room, basically she'd turn the light off. And then she'd leave and he'd turn it on. And she'd come back in the room and she'd say, I could have sworn I turned that light off. And he said, What are you talking about? You didn't turn that light off. You didn't blow that light out. And would relight it. That's where the term gaslighting comes from. Because just that, just screwing with somebody's head enough can make someone lose it, absolutely lose their mind. Because we're they're playing with the sense of reality. And it is most important to feel healthy, to be able to trust our perception of reality and trust what's going on around us. That what we see and what we sense is actually real and what's happening. Triangulation is big. So if there's narcissism in your life, don't do two against one. All conversations need to be limited, but no one-offs of not having all those people in the room. Mean girls love this in junior high, right? And I'm not saying that junior high school girls are covert narcissists, but I'm saying that little manipulative mean girl phase, many people grow up and out of that very healthily. Many people do not. And triangulation is very much two against one, two against one, two against one. Covert narcissists, they love bomb. I'm sure many of you have heard that term. They love bomb at the beginning. That's why so many people who are coming out of a narcissistic relationship will say, but the first three months were so great. I just want to get back to that. That was the love bombing phase. After love bombing, there is a chipping away, a subtle devaluing, that little, is that what you're going to wear tonight with a little wrinkle in the face? Over and over again, day in and day out, it chips away. And once someone is so devalued, once their self-esteem is stripped, they're often discarded or just disregarded over a lifetime. There's a lot of cognitive dissonance that you can't really believe what you're seeing and hearing. And I want you to know you can believe your own gut. So let me end this episode with a few brief but powerful tips. If you find yourself in relationship with a covert narcissist, know that internal boundaries are key. Giving less explanation, not more, is powerful. Everything that we share with a narcissist is something that can be used later to manipulate, to twist, to make us feel crazy. The trapping there is that HSPs, we crave understanding. So very tragically, we project our own desire for a need really for understanding onto that narcissist. And we think, if, if anything gets explained to me and I understand, I, that feels better to me and then I can do whatever needs doing. So there just must be a bunch of confusion here. Let me explain what's going on. And surely this person and I can get to okay. And the insanity there is that as HSPs, we give so much empathy that we give second chances and third and fourth and fifth and 105th chances. And we explain and we explain and we explain. So it's very backwards to our nature to have to understand this dynamic and pull back and give very little, little explanation, little of our energy. Don't let the covert narcissist rent space in your head. That is some very valuable real estate inside of your sweet head. As Brene Brown says, people have to earn the right to hear your story. That's not just in word, that's not just in action, that's in feeling. And my challenge to you, sweet, awesome, HSPs who have superpowers of sensitivity is to give less credence to empathy and second chances with the narcissists in your life and to give more credence, more weight to what your gut, your intuition, and your heart knows to be true. Once someone does the work with me to get to the other side of the funk that they're in from whatever narcissistic relationship they're escaping and healing from, often how I end that work is saying, So let's look all the way back from this spot that you're in. Look all the way back. That first moment you met, can you look back now and understand that your gut knew? Your gut knew. Your mind just didn't want to know what your gut knew. So your mind twisted a story that something felt okay that didn't. Because I I want people to be able to see that and feel that because that's where our empowerment sits. When we understand that lesson, we don't have to allow more narcissism in. If you have a boss that is a narcissist and you feel stuck by that, find another job. I know that's easy to say and hard to do, but you can either burn up your energy trying to figure out how to make something work that's not very workable because it feels icky to you. It's draining. Or you can put your energy into what is my next? What is my next? What is my next? And put up some boundaries about no longer having to try to make it work in situations where the other person is not also trying to make it work. Reciprocity, look for that. I hope this episode shines some light on some very tricky to pull together criteria and is gonna help you navigate your internal world as you relate to people and your external world. I very consciously and not always easily make decisions in my life to move away from people on this narcissism spectrum because one of the goals for myself is to have as little chaos as possible and as much and as much peace and joy and fulfillment as possible and if I allow narcissists to suck out my goodness I can't meet those goals if you have questions about this please come hang out on our patreon at our next monthly live Q&A, I can answer questions about this or anything else. Thank you so much to those of you who have given five-star reviews. That is awesome. It is everything in podcasting. Thank you so much. If you haven't already, we would love a five-star review. It's super helpful. And I want to thank some patrons that have been really the backbone of this show. It takes a lot to pull this off, and y'all are helping us do it. Thank you, Patreon supporters for your vote of confidence in the show with your dollars. I know it seems like a little bit, a dollar, five bucks, ten bucks. It adds up and we've got some really big dreams for the show and some surprises that I hope we hit some goals so that we can kind of show you some of these uh, sort of magical and wonderful ideas that we have. Um, Thank you. I want to thank Jonah for being a Patreon supporter. I want to thank Christina, I want to thank Jessica, Whitney, thank you, and Maria. I wish there was a way for me to calculate how much your support has impacted people in the world. I don't know how to do that, but I feel it in my heart and I feel it in my gut and I hope you do too. There is so much light and love in the world, surviving narcissistic parents or a narcissistic marriage or a narcissistic boss. It's one of the hardest things we can survive in this life. So if you are on that journey, high five, keep going, don't give up, don't get sucked in, don't get sucked down. Know that many of us have figured that out and it just takes some years on the planet to get enough experience and wise enough to know that it's not gonna kill you and you can just move through and there is better at the other side that is available. And if you can't believe that right now, I can believe it for you till you get there yourself because you, sweet listener, are an emotional badass. I am an emotional badass and together we are where Moxie meets mindful and we are the change in the world. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.